Hello mamas and welcome to episode 9 of Bump to Mum. I'm your host Emma and this week I am chatting with Lucy from The Sleep Scout. Lucy is a nurse and certified sleep consultant and mother of two boys. Sleep can be an all-consuming part of becoming a parent and being a parent, especially when you're not getting much of it. You're the envy of other parents if you are getting sleep and if you're getting sleep you feel bad for telling people in case they are struggling. If you have a good night's sleep, you look back on everything you did that day, you try to replicate it and do it the next night, and it doesn't work. It's seriously just a maze. Um, Every baby is so different, and it can be pretty unpredictable, which can create other feelings of anxiety when you don't really know how much sleep you're going to get. Lucy shares with us how she helps families to achieve their goals related to sleep. Um, This chat is such a good one. It's, you know, sleep is something that does take a bit of an individualized approach, but we have tried to keep this chat general so that we can all learn and take something from it. I also share my own experience here in this episode um, with Louis' sleep. Um, if, if you haven't listened to earlier episodes, L- Lucy and I worked together at the end of last year to sleep train Louis. Um, and high level summary is that you know it wasn't easy. It, we did it did involve us being quite persistent, and it is it's a massive team effort for you know the whole family. Um, but it has been the best decision that Luke and I made as parents um, in our parenting journey so far. It's just given us some freedom back. It's given us some routine and structure. Um, Louis is such a happy little boy. He seems to really thrive off the routine as well. So for us, it was a big yes. I know sleep training can be controversial. So if it's not for you, that is absolutely fine. You don't have to listen to this episode. Um, At the end of the day, though, we're all just trying to make the best decisions for our families. Um, And this is one potential avenue out there. Um, So yeah, you know, I'm not saying that this is the the be all and end all and will solve all your sleep problems, but it's one, one possible avenue to explore and see if it works for your family. I hope you enjoy this episode and get something out of it. I have learned so much about sleep. From knowing nothing at all when Louis was born to really realizing kind of a couple of weeks in I should really start learning some stuff and had I done that before Louis was born you know that could have been a bit of a game changer but here we are we we live and we learn um it's made me feel a lot more relaxed and confident having this knowledge about infant sleep when it comes to Louis sleep so I hope you really enjoy this chat and get something from it chat soon mamas Hey Lucy, how are you going? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Um, I would love to just launch straight into it and get you to introduce yourself to anyone that's listening and tell us about your business, The Sleep Scout. Sure. Um, So I'm Lucy and I've got two wee boys, um, Harry who's just turned five and Freddie who's almost two and my husband Cam Um, and we live in a little town just outside of Nelson both Cam and I are kind of Auckland born and raised and we moved down here when uh, Harry was like four months old for Cam's job for so before I had kids I was a nurse so I've got a nursing background um, I was a nurse for about six years so when I went on maternity leave I um, started to get you know kind of interested in the whole baby sleep thing so I thought I'd mm. do some study and gain my certification and then started my business the sleep scout and I always planned to go back to nursing um but yeah it's been five years now and I kind of don't plan to go back anytime soon kind of touched on it you know you started becoming quite interested in sleep um did you find with your first that sleep was 
difficult or was it just more that you became interested in it and wanted to, to gain the qualification? Yeah, I think a bit of both. Like he, mm. he wasn't a terrible sleeper in hindsight. Um, but I think, you know, nothing prepares you for that, you know, fourth trimester. Mm. And I found the sleep deprivation really hard, really difficult mm. and just had no idea how to help myself or what what to do about it so mm -hmm. I guess that's why I kind of got interested in it and then just with a nursing background I was I was just interested in that side of things as well um you know the science and all that sort of stuff mm. it. um yeah and I kind of always thought like I wanted to do something that would help like with you know help families or you know mums and with I wanted to work with babies like I used mm. to always want to be a plunket nurse when I was growing up no. um, yeah so I don't know it kind of just came together yeah yeah awesome and obviously we met um because we worked together for Louis sleep which was um you know I think back now and think to where we were and where we are now and it's just been I always I say this often but it was life-changing for us to go from like being anxious as you go to bed at night wondering what sort of night you're going to have and you know what are his naps in the day going to be like are they even going to happen like how long am I going to rock him to just having that predictability in our day really was life-changing so um I'm a I'm a big fan of the what what we did with you, but I would love you um, to maybe break down for anyone that's listening. What is sleep training and how how does it work? You know, there's a bit of a stigma around it, and I think a lot of that comes from maybe misunderstanding what you're actually doing. So I'd love if you could um, explain, you know, what is it, um, what does it look like, and the different types because I know there's a few different methods you introduced to us. Yeah, yeah. So. Sleep training is basically the process of teaching a baby to fall asleep independently in order to, you know, lengthen their day naps and, and night sleep in an age-appropriate way. So, mm -hmm. for example, if your baby is like five months old, then it's still, you know, very age-appropriate to be waking kind of one to two times a night for feeds. Mm -hmm. um, so you would be working on that night sleep around those wakes. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, training your baby not to signal out to you if they need you. And, and trust me, sleep trained babies will still do that. Mm. Um, you know, if they're sick or, or cold or anything, you know, you're still, they're still going to, you know, signal out to you in the middle of the night. And it's actually kind of reassuring, I think, when you know that your baby can self-settle. Because when they do, you know, I know for me, when Freddie wakes in the night and kind of cries out, I know that there's something wrong so you mm -hmm. know, go to him straight away and usually he's taken a sleep sack off or is cold or it's wet yeah. or whatever it, it may be um so yeah i mean basically what you're trying to do is um when they wake after a sleep cycle um teaching them you know to be able to put themselves back to sleep independently so therefore you know their naps will lengthen and their night sleep will lengthen too and they'll link both sleep cycles. So in terms of methods, yeah. there's, you know, there's like a lot of different methods you can use. Um, and I think the method you use should be dependent on your parenting style, um, your baby's temperament, your, what your goals are. Um, and so there's methods where, you know, you can stay in the room with them the entire time, responding to them constantly, you know, with voice, touch, cuddles. So what you did with Louis mm. um, 
And then there are methods where you can be out of the room um, and do regular check-ins or not as regular check-ins. And then obviously at either ends of the spectrum, there's ones either side. So, you know, you can do things much more, you know, slower and if that feels better for you or you can, you know, do things not as slow. So it really depends on, you know, this what your goals are and your parenting style and what's gonna what technique's gonna suit your baby as, as well. Um, I think there's a huge misconception that sleep training is just leaving your baby in a room to cry, which is mm. you know not true. Um, but there's also so much more to consider with sleep training, you know, rather than just the technique. So you know we mm. look at food and nutrition and day sleep and routine and sleep environment and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I remember when, before we even had chosen the method that we would go with, you kind of sent through a questionnaire and it was like, what things, what activities do you have in your week? What times are those? You know, do you have other children and do you need to work around pick up and drop offs? And obviously, Louis being our first week, I don't have that yet, but um, I remember saying to you, like, we always do a morning walk with our dogs and we want to make sure that we can still do that like we don't want to be at home for three naps a day um so it was nice to know that you know there is still flexibility to 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 do those things um and you know now we just I just structure the day so we are home in the middle of the day for that longer sleep but the other two naps can very much be on the go and gives us that flexibility to not feel like you're just stuck at home all day because of the baby sleep yeah and I think you know a lot of people because you know I'm a real like I'm really pro routines I love routines Mm. personally and I like (laughs) um yeah my clients as well and I think that a lot of people kind of think oh if you're tied to a routine like your life's going to be so structured and thing but I think looking at from another perspective I think it also gives you the ability to be kind of to get out more and be a bit more Mm. flexible because you can you kind of know when your baby's going to sleep you know how long they're going to sleep for um, so you can work your day kind of around that. And I love my two-hour break in the middle of the day. <laughs> Same. The day. Is that bad? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I feel this, we were literally talking about this in my baby group and another girl said the same thing. She's like, it's my favorite part of the day. Like, yeah. just get to reset myself. I get to reset my house. It's just yeah. that me time. Um, no, I think you need it it's you know when I think back to when I didn't have that break because naps were 30 to 40 minutes and I spent Mm. maybe 10 to 15 rocking or you know feeding to sleep and then trying to transfer Louis like I don't know how I did it now when I look back at you just kind of you you do because you're coping but it's it's so exhausting um and if you're not getting like you know good breaks during the day then Mm. and then you're going into like a night you know going into night not knowing what's going to happen you know it's really anxiety inducing I I found anyway you know like that that anxiety before putting like before you know going to bed yourself oh yeah yeah like what time is that first you like lie down you're like oh when am I going to be awake like is it going to be two hours three hours four hours and yeah I really struggled with that I think and I think probably comes down to the the parents as well like if you're very easy breezy go with the flow never really had a structure then it probably isn't something that you're all of a sudden going to want to do but for for myself and Luke you know we've always been routine and kind of had that structure and I found getting that back actually gave us more freedom because I could make plans and I could know when to go out and know when to be you know be home and we like you said like when Louis will sleep and when he won't so 
it, I, I definitely felt like I had freedom because I had that predictability and, you know, was having people over. It's like easier. You can say, well, they'll be awake at this time and this time they'll be asleep yeah. at this time and this time. So what works? <laughs> You've had a baby recently and you're kind of thinking about these sorts of things. Is there a best time to start sleep training or is that something you can do at any stage? Yeah. So, um, all new, like newborn babies will all kind of need some sort of assistance to Mm. fall asleep and stay asleep, um, in the first few months of life. So whether that's, you know, feeding or using a dummy or, you know, full on hands on assisting, like rocking, patting, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so it's not appropriate or recommended to, you know, promote self-settling or do any sleep coaching with, um, a baby that's kind of under four months old. Um, some are really around the 16 week mark, but, and you know, some not until closer to five months. Um, so yeah, the general kind of rule is you wouldn't do any sleep training in a baby younger than four months old. Mm. Um, there does seem to be kind of a sweet spot around kind of like between like five and seven months where things do fall into place quite well. However, you know, there's no cutoff age. So I work with children all the way up until five years old. So wow, you can start at any time, um, but just not in that newborn period would be the kind of, generally speaking. Yeah. So if you've, you know, you've got your newborn baby and you're struggling with sleep, is there anything you can do to help promote a little bit more sleep or, you know, help them have a slightly longer nap? Or is it very much you kind of just have to completely surrender to it? Yeah, I think a little bit of it is surrendering for sure. Mm. Um, But, you know, some newborn babies will just catnap and that's just, you know, what's biologically normal for a newborn baby. Um, But it definitely doesn't hurt to kind of look at things in the newborn period like awake windows, um, sleep environment, um, you know, using a good kind of swaddle and things like that. So, you know, if you're trying to settle your newborn to sleep and they've been awake for two hours you know they're going to be overtired so they're going to struggle to fall asleep and then they're going to wake you know after that first uh, you know like wake quickly and be unsettled you know so um but you know I definitely have clients that are kind of doing all the right things in the newborn period and then and you know baby's still kind of catnapping or you know waking in the night and and that's Mm. still also normal as well you know yeah. And I think that's something, you know, I've experienced in my, my mum's group and stuff is that the, the focal point of most conversations <laughs> tends to come back to sleep, how much yeah. or how little or what's working for them or how long does your baby nap for in the day. And it's just like there's similarities, but then every baby is so different. And then some babies, you know, struggle, well, not struggle, but that, that you know, don't sleep as much when they're newborns and then every baby seems to go through a bit of a phase at a different age when they're going through a period of like waking a lot overnight. Um, and it's something I'm sure you get asked, but is there like a normal amount of wakes that you can expect in those newborn days or is it just completely random depending on the baby? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, there's kind of no set rule. I mean, especially in the first kind of, you know, six to eight weeks, it's, you know, very normal for a baby to wake every few hours to feed. Mm. And that's, you know, more to do with the size of their tummy and how they digest milk. 
Um, you know, you may start to see longer stretches, you know, around kind of, you know, between kind of six to eight weeks. Like you may get one long stretch. So maybe, you know, you might get like a four or five hour block and then you may, after that long stretch, then they, you know, your baby may wake kind of every two hours after that. And that's quite normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really not uncommon. It's also not uncommon for babies to kind of sleep through the night in that, in that kind of first, you know, wow. months. Um, and then kind of revert back to having a night feed like after. And that's ah. just to do with, you know, growth spurts and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you've got a newborn baby and they're waking every kind of two to three hours for a feed um, and someone at your mother's group is their baby sleeping through, like both are normal. Um, it's hard, you know, if you've got mm. a baby that's waking every couple of hours. Um, but yeah, there's... There's so much more we can do in terms of helping with sleep once they're older and kind of through that phase and, yeah, don't need to kind of be waking that often for milk. Yeah. get bigger and all that sort of stuff. So how do you know then, say you've got a baby that's out of that newborn phase and they're been sleeping well, like sleeping through the night or doing at least some long stints and then they suddenly start waking more how do you know if that's just becomes habitual or if that's you know they're genuinely just hungry yeah um so yeah like I said it's not abnormal for a baby to kind of who is sleeping through to start waking for feeds Mm. or a feed um and that would be you know usually that's kind of around like the five month mark ish when you're they're kind of building up to that need for solids Mm. and not saying starting solids would help that because I don't recommend starting solids early and I don't recommend starting solids before six months but Mm. it's normal for you know their like nutritional needs are changing and they're just going to naturally be more hungry so adding back in a night feed is not a bad thing you know that that's really Mm. normal um if it's you know and it's it's all dependent like every baby's different but Mm. generally speaking um if a baby's kind of waking at exactly the same time every night um, and, you know, having a feed and then say, you know, waking in the morning and not interested in their morning, you know, milk feed, um, mm. you know, can kind of go like an hour or so without needing to feed, you know, that we can pretty safely say that, that potentially that's a habitual wake. Um, but if it's, you know, kind of at a random time each night, they're waking, having a good feed then going you know back to sleep relatively quickly then waking in the morning and having a you know full breastfeed or a full bottle you know you can pretty safely say that that is you know a hunger wake and Mm. you need that so those are some little kind of things to look out for but yeah in saying that every baby is different and you kind of have to look at the full picture to kind of give a answer specifically to you know one baby yeah and you know what that's what I found like through working with you for Louis sleep, you know, I remember seeing so many different guides online around wake windows and a suitable schedule for age. So there's that information out there, but what I found so valuable in terms of working with you and having your support was that that set schedule didn't necessarily solve all, you know, that wasn't perfect yeah. for Louis. And every day that we started with Louis sleep schedule when we started sleep training, we would have to alter things and tweak things. And I would be texting you being like, what do we do now? Like he only slept 45 minutes over lunch. Like, and I wouldn't know what to do if I had just used 
a sleep schedule I found online because that doesn't troubleshoot when things don't go to plan. And like even now, Louis doesn't nail his midday nap every day. Like some days he wakes early and it's because he's gone to the toilet and then I can't yeah. get him to go back to sleep or he's started teething and he, you know, he's just not sleeping as well in the day. Um, but, you know, it's, I think that's the thing with like this, there's not necessarily like a cookie cutter for every baby. And like, if you do this, your baby's going to sleep through the night. Or if you like, you know, nail this, then you're guaranteed to get this much sleep. It's just such an individualized approach. So with that, what would be some of your top sleep, top sleep tips for new mums? So maybe you've just had a baby or you're about to have a baby. What would be some things that you would kind of recommend to do in those early days mm. and also maybe some tips for mums that are struggling with their sleep at the moment yeah um I think specifically to the newborn period mm. um yeah like don't panic um I hear heaps of new mums trying hard to get you know their kind of newborns onto a routine or like trying really hard not to assist them to sleep um because they don't want to create a rod for their own back which I hate and it breaks my heart when I hear that because it's like yeah that's what your baby needs you know in those Mm -hmm. first few months is they need help to get to sleep and stay asleep um and there's no sleep association that your baby um like has in the newborn period that you can't move away from once they're older if you feel you want to um so if you you know cuddle your baby or feed your baby to sleep for every single nap in the first few months that's okay um so i think like yeah reassuring parents that it's okay to in the newborn period to just do whatever you need to do to get your baby to sleep um I think also in those first few months is really prioritizing get and concentrate on getting you know feeding on track so Mm. you know whether you're bottle feeding or breastfeeding that should really be a priority in those first few weeks so if you're a new parent and you're in you know um the hospital or birth care or, or you know have your midwife coming and visiting you at home like get them to, you know, as many feeds as you can, get them to come and sit and watch, you know, you latch and help you, like ask for as much help as you can in those first few weeks. Mm. Um, Because, yeah, that's really crucial to kind of, you know, having a happy, happy baby. And generally speaking, obviously there are expectations, you know, it's not always the case, but a fed full baby is a happy baby. And then kind of sleep Mm. will follow from that usually. Mm. Um. And I think, yeah, a general one, like aim to have or, you know, plan to have a nap out and about each day, you know, whether it's in the pram or the carrier or so that you're kind of getting out, getting some fresh air, getting some time for yourself. You know that, you know, your you know, lots, most babies do kind of sleep well in the pram or the carrier. So you know that they're going to get a good sleep under their belt. Like it's quite good to have that first nap of the day out and about. So you're kind of getting your day off to a good start. Um, and then also it means that they, are, you know, your baby's used to sleeping on the go in the pram or carrier so that you've got that as a tool as well mm. um, to use. Um, so, you know, like if all else fails, you're like, I know that if I just put them in the carrier, they'll go to sleep. Or if, I, if we go for a walk, you know, or if Nana's coming around to help out, you can say, just take them for a walk and they'll sleep. And, you know, you've got that under your belt. 100%. Yeah. And I guess because obviously with sleep deprivation and if we're looking at mums at the moment, um, with that, they're, you know, you're you're so sleep deprived and there can be kind of that probably plays into a little bit of maybe 
those baby blues feeling a bit anxious or, you know, postnatal depression. Do you see a lot of that in your work, like mums coming to you because they've kind of reached a bit of a breaking point because they're just not sleeping and everything else is falling away? Yeah, a lot, you know, like a a lot, yeah. And, you know, I think you touched on at the start about kind of there's a little bit of you know, stigma about sleep coaching kind Mm -hmm. of going around on social media, definitely more so now than it used to. Um, Mm. But, you know, I have mums coming to me and almost like doing it in secret because they don't want to tell, you know, mums at their mums group or their friends and things because they feel like they're going to get judged. And, you know, that breaks my heart too because, you know, they're at breaking point and they, you know, everyone just needs some sleep. Mm. Um, And... Yeah, so lots, lots, but not always, you know, I've just, I work with lots of families that, you know, this is, you know, this is what they need, this is how their families work, and that's great, Mm -hmm. Um, or parents that are going back to work, um, or, you know, like, have older siblings that, you know, they need to work around, and all that sort of stuff, so it's not all just thing, but, yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, if we think about the whole um, breastfed um, or formula and how like that's become more normalized around like a fed baby yeah. it doesn't matter how you feed your baby yeah. you almost hope that the same thing happens around sleep like how does it why does it matter how you manage to get sleep in your family as long yeah. as you are getting sleep because everyone knows that you, you can things go downhill quite quickly when you're sleep deprived for a long a long amount you know a decent yeah. amount of time and if you've got other children as well and it's keeping the whole family awake I can only imagine how challenging that would be yeah. um yeah with, I love that analogy that you yeah know, like I think hopefully we will do kind of a full circle back to actually just you know letting families raise their children the way that they feel is best mm. not kind of getting outside noise as to what's right or, or wrong you know everyone's just doing what they feel is best for their children and yeah and yeah you wouldn't judge a mum for bottle feeding because it was affecting their mental health or they needed to go back to work or whatever yeah exactly and I think it's it's that thing right like there's so much information out there about sleep and feeding and all this other stuff that it almost it's it's amazing to have that information out there but it does create a lot of opinions and Mm -hmm. um people just start seeking like I even know as a new mum like it's so hard to not second guess yourself because you see someone else doing something or saying you shouldn't do that or you should do this and it just you kind of forget to tune into yourself and kind of go with your gut a little bit yeah 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 is there an average time then or like what if someone's saying okay cool we, we, we've decided we want to go down the sleep, sleep training path. We're going to, you know, go with one of the methods. Is there an average, you know, is there a rough time it would take before that falls into place? And I know I can speak from my experience with Louie, like the night sleep fell into place really quickly for us. We were like amazed at how quickly that happened, but the day sleeps definitely took us quite a bit longer to start seeing that decent midday sleep fall into place. So, what would you say roughly you could expect or is it just again so different yeah yeah it varies greatly um and but like just like you said so night sleep always generally falls into place much quicker um just because there's you know a lot more kind of natural sleep drive and hormones happening at night um yeah so night sleep 
will always kind of fall into place first and then day sleep kind of follows and can take a little bit longer it also depends Mm. on what technique you're using so some of the kind of out of the room methods with chickens will generally work a little bit faster um and in the room methods you know do take a little bit longer um so yeah you, you know generally i would expect night sleep to kind of fall into place you know either straight away or kind of within like the first kind of you know two to three nights um and then naps can be anywhere like some some babies it just falls into place and naps kind of happen really quickly and then others you know you can it can take you know a week or so or longer um you know I on kind of my mid-range package I've got 10 days of support so Mm. I haven't picked that number out of nowhere you know like generally 10 days is enough to kind of get things well on track um so I guess that's a bit of a guide too yeah definitely is there anything you you know people should avoid doing if they're trying to promote a bit of a a sleep routine or you know encourage longer stints of sleep or is it kind of there's nothing like there's no like major don'ts I guess no yeah honestly no because what doesn't work Mm. for some people works for others Mm. so um I think it's more about concentrating on what's working for your baby and your family, um, mm. you know, and if it's not feeling sustainable or right for your family anymore, then, you know, know that there's help that you can get, but nothing's a problem unless it becomes a problem. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess if we're working together, there would be kind of specific don'ts, I guess, but that would be, more specific to that baby and what we're trying to achieve and all that sort of stuff but you know yeah if you want to feed your baby to sleep for every sleep or co-sleep or not and it's working for you then that's perfect but again that might not work for someone else you know so Mm. there's definitely nothing specific that I would say you you shouldn't do that because there really isn't anything unless you know apart from I guess following safe sleep guidelines in terms of you know, if you've got your baby asleep in their cot, you know, making sure that there's kind of nothing else in the bed with them, you know, no cot bumpers, smoke-free mm. home, no pillows, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love you to share, I, I know, you know, for some people who may choose to listen to the podcast, you know, maybe engaging with a sleep consultant isn't something financially that they can afford right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything that they can do to you know, start working at their baby sleep or, you know, um, encourage a bit of a routine. I know there were some things that we did, um, which you shared with us, that really helped in terms of, like, actually making sure the room was really dark. Um, so if you don't mind, I'd love if you could maybe share a few few little tips there in terms of promoting some good sleep. Yeah. So I think the first thing would be kind of look at your awake windows. You don't necessarily need to go on like a really strict routine um, if that doesn't feel right for you. But awake windows are really crucial. So, you know, there's no, it's so much harder to try and settle, you know, a baby to sleep. Even if you are feeding to sleep or padding to sleep or rocking to sleep if they're overtired. And on the flip side, if they're undertired as well, um you know, trying to get them to go to sleep is going to be much more difficult. So I would definitely be looking at, you know, age-appropriate awake windows. Um, and then if you did want to kind of go the, go down further and look towards, um, you know, like structuring your day a little bit with a routine, um, that can also help. So that's 
but you don't have to do that. Like you could just work off awake windows and then say, okay, um, I don't know, my baby's four months old, so their awake window is going to be roughly two hours. So every two hours we'll offer a nap and you don't need to cap those naps or wake them or anything. You know, that mm. would be a really great start. But if you wanted to work a bit further, then you could look and be like, okay, I want to make, you know, that morning nap slightly shorter so that I can promote a longer lunch sleep and then a little cat nap at the end of the day to kind of band-aid tied you know over till bedtime and then have bedtime at an age appropriate time so that you know your nights are gonna hopefully be on track um Mm. so that's kind of like a basic key thing to look at to start um yeah like you said having a dark room is really crucial especially when babies get a little bit older you know from you know four five six months when they start to kind of become more distracted to things so like if they wake they may settle to sleep relatively easily and quickly but once they wake up after that first sleep cycle you know their eyes kind of flick open and if you know their room's really bright that's basically just gonna you know send a message to their brain to say wake up it's time to get up um if that room's nice and dark then you've got more chance of them kind of resettling into that um next sleep cycle basically Mm. um so yeah those are kind of really two important you know good places to start for sure um and yeah if you're wanting to move away from assisting your baby to sleep so um you know say if you're feeding your baby all the way to sleep and then popping them down into their cot so you could start to move that feed a little bit further away from the nap time um so you know try and do the feed or even just gently rouse them after if they're still kind of nodding off and then you could you know pop them down awake and you could still kind of help them to sleep in their cot you know with some bum tapping or rubbing and things like that Mm. um but if they're falling asleep in their cot then you're kind of one step closer to to them kind of you know moving away from that feed to sleep association if that's a goal of um, I would love you to maybe share some tips on traveling with babies in terms of, you know, maybe you have a routine and a structure in place. Um, travel in time zones is a bit of a kind of scary one. Is there anything yeah. we, you know, you can we can do to make sure that baby is going to sleep? And what do you do as well if you're going into a different time zone? Mm. I think on like on travel day like whether you're going like overseas or going somewhere close by or flying or driving you kind of just need to you know surrender and just let what happens happen um try not to stress too much about it because it will just be what it is you know um some babies sleep really well on planes and some you know might not sleep as well but um and again some babies sleep really well in the car so you could like time that the long drive for that lunch nap and they might sleep the whole time that'd be great and then others you know they might sleep one sleep cycle and then wake up and you know your usual long lunch nap is cut in half Mm. so you know just kind of go with the flow don't stress if they if that does happen you know bring bedtime early earlier that day when you get there and try and kind of relatively get onto your routine the following day Mm. um if you are flying overseas like going into a different time zone um the general rule is that once you get there, get onto the new time as soon as possible um, okay. and include that, like their sleep time, but also their feeds, like their feed times as well, so that their kind of whole circadian rhythm kind of, you know, adjusts. Mm. Um, during their awake time, make sure you kind of get out 
lots outside in the sunshine as well which will really help and then if you know depending on what the time zone is but say if they kind of wake super early in the morning on that in the new time because that's kind of their normal time to wake up and you're Mm. there for like a long period of time so you do kind of want to get them onto the new time zone try not to kind of get up and start your day at you know three in the morning local time um you know try and keep them you know in the you know in the dimly lit hotel room um you know if they're not feeding overnight you know try not to like do a feed or anything like that just trying to keep things low key and you know hopefully try and get them to go back to sleep and then usually you know they'll be on track with the new time zone within a couple of days like um adults actually tend to you know have a harder time getting onto new time zones than babies and children do so Mm. yeah but yeah lots of sunshine during the awake windows is really key okay i'm being a bit selfish there we're about to go on a trip (laughs) to australia and i'm thinking how the heck am i going to like when obviously not a major time zone change but sometimes just that two hours can be more difficult than something a bit larger like it's just a couple of hours early so like probably for that first day he's going to wake up at australia time 5 a.m which will be his normal seven o'clock wake time and it's just like what do you do (laughs) yeah yeah and how i mean it also depends like how long you're away for like whether or not it's actually worth trying to adjust or just sticking on your normal time as well can sometimes work yeah. yeah. One question that came up, and I'd love you to maybe share some pointers here as well, is around when, what are some signs that baby is ready to drop a nap? So maybe that's the three mm-hmm. to two or going from two naps to one nap. Yeah. So usually when they drop that last afternoon nap of the day, um, mostly it's shown in the way that they just start to refuse it. So okay. I always recommend to assist that last afternoon nap because um, it just means it's easier to to achieve, basically. Um, so if you're kind of, you know, taking your baby for a walk every afternoon at 4.30 um, or, you know, popping them in the carrier or cuddling them to sleep um, and they're, you know, not taking that nap anymore um, or, you know, starting to kind of just fall asleep, like, you know, five minutes to five or something like that. Um, Usually that's a sign that they're kind of starting to work to drop it, Um, Mm. which usually happens between like six and eight months generally. Um, So yeah, if they've kind of refused that nap, like, you know, more than kind of like four or five days in a row, then you can pretty safely say, okay, they're going to, they're going to drop it. So I'd usually just drop it. Um, another sign that they're ready to drop that last afternoon nap is if your lunch nap starts to shorten. So if they start Mm -hmm. to kind of wake early from their lunch nap, um, but still kind of happily taking that long, you know, like that last afternoon nap, you can sometimes make that last afternoon nap shorter or drop it. And that should help your lunch nap get back on track. Um, and then the next nap to go is usually the morning sleep so that Mm. happens anywhere between kind of 15 and 18 months some babies are younger like you know definitely not unheard of for like a 12 13 month old baby to drop their morning sleep but generally it's between 15 and 18 months um and again you may find that they start you know just to flat out refuse it or really not seem tired um when you know you pop them down for that morning sleep or you may find that they start again, like their lunch nap starts to change, you know, it might take them a while to fall to sleep for their lunch nap, or they might wake early from their lunch nap, 
Or mm. another sign is that you'll see early morning wakes. So mm. if you see like early morning wakes with say like a 15 month or like a 16 month old and they're still having like a, you know, 30, 40 minute morning sleep, that's generally a good sign that they're ready to kind of either shorten it or drop it altogether. Um, yeah, and then the last nap, so that big midday solid nap is usually there until about two and a half to three. Um, and, you know, you would just kind of slowly cut that nap shorter and shorter and shorter from about kind of two onwards. Um, and what you're looking out for there is bedtime refusal or again, mm-hmm. early morning wakes. So if your toddler is, you know, two and a half having a two hour lunch nap, but then not falling to sleep until kind of nine, nine thirty at night, um, then that's a pretty good indication that you need to kind of start to cap that nap. Um, and, but you know, like if your baby's, or if your toddler, sorry, is, you know, coming up three and they're having a 30 minute nap and they're still kind of up until, you know, nine o'clock at night, then that's a pretty good sign that they're ready to drop it. Mm. And that is a very sad day. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> wow, you'll be exhausted by the end of the day when those yeah. naps are gone. Because I even oh, feel exhausted by the end of the day with, you know, three naps at the moment. I yeah. mean, some of them are on the go, so it's not like I'm just relaxing. But, um, yeah, no naps. Those are busy days, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, full on. Really, yeah. like, wait, counting down till bedtime on those days. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. And I guess you bring bedtime earlier yeah for those yeah okay so that is the silver lining that you suddenly go from like you know having your toddler awake you know later into the night to then oh 6 30 they're all asleep and they're knackered yeah (laughs) quiet house eat your dinner pour yourself a glass of wine done Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) i'd love to kind of move away from the sleep talk i could there's so many questions and I think it's just one of those things that as once you become a mum, you just become slightly obsessed with it's hard not to. Um, (laughs) But I'd love to talk about maybe a little bit about your motherhood experience today. So what has been your hardest and most enjoyable season of motherhood to date? Oh, um, I don't know. I think the hardest would definitely be Harry's kind of newborn period. Mm. Um, it was you know I feel like nothing can prepare you for that stage in your life um and I was really shocked at how hard I actually found it you know I always kind of like nannied when I was younger and loved babies and whenever anyone would ask me what I wanted to be when I was older I'd always say a mum like it was my thing and then when I yeah like when I was in it I was like wow this is not what I thought it would be and it's like Mm. way harder (laughs) than I thought it would be and, you know, in hindsight, I had quite bad anxiety, I think. Like, I would mm. never take him to, like, the supermarket or something because I was just terrified that he would start crying or, I don't know, mm. I don't even know what I was terrified of. But, you know, I think that made it um, harder. So, I, yeah, probably that. But then on the flip side, Freddie's newborn period was just really lovely and amazing. And I think second time round, you just have so much more confidence in yourself mm. and... I was just so much more relaxed and I guess you've got a you know a walking talking example that it goes fast and nothing lasts forever and Harry I mean you know so yeah kind of embrace it and soak it all in and I feel like that was a good like almost like a do-over like I was like no actually you know I am good at this and I Mm. love this so yeah that sounds mean to Harry but you know he wasn't even a bad like he actually wasn't even that 
hard of a baby, but I think it's just yeah. also new and hard and yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Like I know that I'm still very much early in my motherhood journey, but I already think like, you know, if and when we have another baby, like I feel like it's going to be such a different experience to my experience with Louis. And Louis' experience so far has been so special, but it is yeah. so, <laughs> so hard learning to be a mum. Um, and you can't really learn it until they're here, right? So you're on the, you're doing it as you go and you're kind of just having to figure it out. So, um, there's so many things I'm like, oh, next time what I would do is this. And they're not major changes, but I think it's what you said as well. It's just like being a little bit more confident, not everything feeling so new. Um, and yeah, like you've done it and you've, they're great and they're happy and they're healthy. It's like, you can do this and it's just that reassurance yeah. that you'd just probably, you know, you just naturally be a little bit more relaxed about things instead of worrying about every little thing. Cause I definitely, you know, it's just yeah. a constant churn of worry in your brain. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure as you get on and you realize as well that but they're super resilient, like, okay, the sleep didn't go to plan for a couple of days. It's actually not going to, completely rock the boat and the next day will you know it's a new day and things will probably be a lot better yeah and nothing lasts forever you know also that you know that so much more second time around and then I think also second time around you realize like how like I don't want to say easy because I know that some people don't have that experience but how much like a newborn like you know just it's so much easier than a toddler. That's <laughs> basically is what I'm going to say. Like, they just, like, lay there and sleep and feed. And, like, oh. and then your toddler is, like, you know, running amok. I remember those first few days in hospital after I had Freddie. Um, I felt like a holiday. Like, I just really <laughs> sorry for my mum, who was at home, like, wrangling Harry, while Cam and I, like, lay in hospital, like, with, you know, Freddie sleeping on me, watching Merit at First Sight on the laptop. I was like, this is just bliss <laughs> giving birth, but this is bliss I'm... yeah and then they turned one you know like freddie was just like this little angel and then he turns one and you're like oh yeah no there it is that toddler is back do you know, do you know what this is totally frightening me this podcast because i'm pretty sure every <laughs> single person has come on here and said that oh newborns are a breeze and toddlers are so hard and i'm sitting here thinking like cool yeah, what so am I lovely... for? <laughs> yeah louis is six months old nearly seven months so you know we're kind of heading out of that he's getting more mobile he now loves to roll around in his bed which gives me an absolute heart attack when I wake up and he's like face down and like he's totally fine but it takes a bit to get used to seeing them in the funny positions they get into yeah yeah Yeah. they're just all of a sudden they wake up one day and they're on the move and it's like oh I can't you know quickly nip to the toilet while you're lying under your (laughs) a-frame like yeah wow full year where you go (laughs) Leave you can't do anything you know, like one till two I'm like yeah that's probably do you know what actually that that toddler zone so that like one to kind of 18 to two years old is you know that's probably I find that a very overstimulating time of parenthood like it's everything's very like intense and busy and I think my brain's like oh because you kind of constantly have to be chasing them or watching them or you know and I think Freddie's almost two so he's starting to come out of it like he's starting to just be a bit more chilled and he might like sit for like you know a few minutes and read a book which I'm like oh and then I a few minutes yeah (laughs) we were in Auckland over the weekend and my sister my younger sister's got a um wee boy who's just just turned one recently 
and yeah I was like looking at that I was like oh yeah no Freddie's definitely chilled out like Max is a handful like you know you forget it's it's amazing how quickly you forget like how things were (laughs) yeah but also don't stress because you know you're also they're growing up and they're like learning all these new things and they start to like walk and they become their own little human and you'll just be like oh Louie you're just the cutest it is also amazing it is cool seeing them learn as well and then like when they realize they've learned something new and like they just want to do it all the time like I think that's you know with all these changes that kind of can throw things out and you know can make them a bit fussy but then like you actually get to see them learn something new which is super cool and like seeing the world for the first time I guess properly like the first uh, probably a couple of weeks ago I put Louie in the front pack facing out for the first time And the look on his face was just like, he was just like, he's just seeing the world the right way up and the right way out. And it's so cool. Yeah, that's sweet. And when they start to talk, it's really cute. Like they learn a new word, word and then they just say it over and over and over again. You're like, it's just the cutest thing ever. Like, oh, And you just so have cool. to hope it's not a swear word because I did yeah. see someone <laughs> yeah. say that that's their yeah. toddler's thing at the moment. I was like, I'm going to have to be so careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to actually start thinking about what you say around them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note in terms of like just kind of you mentioned you know you wish you kind of had just enjoyed those moments more and not stressed about it too much is there something you wished you knew about babies or becoming a mum that you didn't that you think would have been helpful to know earlier on um yeah I think going back to like that every stage will in like as in like you know nothing lasts forever so you know in those first few months when you're like awake in the night for hours and hours and you just think oh my gosh I'm never gonna sleep again like I actually remember having that panic like I'm never gonna have a full night's sleep ever again and you know like logically that doesn't make sense of course I will but at the time you just don't see the way you know like the end and I think that's why I found second time round so much easier is because I could look at Harry and be like, no, there is an end, you know, like he just, I snapped my fingers and he grew up and now he's, you know, three or whatever he was. And so I think that's why I just found it so much easier because every, you know, if they have an unsettled day, you know that tomorrow's going to be better. Or, you know, like you said, if they miss a nap or they're not feeding well or they're sick or anything, you just know that it will get better. So I think it would be nice to go into motherhood knowing that, but again you just don't and Mm -hmm. no one can prepare you for it and no one can tell you that you know this is what it's gonna be like but don't worry because it'll thing because you just yeah you you just won't listen until you're in it you know so I guess if you're in it now like if you're in the thick of it just know that you will sleep again that's something I can promise you and Mm. you know no stage lasts forever yeah I think that's really nice advice because I definitely remember thinking oh my god like and because I think as well you go through your pregnancy not sleeping well and then you go straight into having the baby and then you're kind of not sleeping well when they're newborns as well and it's just like you kind of look back and you're like oh my god when was this last time I don't even remember sleeping through the night like what does that feel like it's um yeah yeah. Mm. on that note do you what does sleep look like in your home now like I feel like you'd have all the tips and tricks but (laughs) do your boys still throw some spanners for you every now and then um you know they're really good actually yeah um 
I always joke like it would be bad for business if I weren't and of course there's like <laughs> the odd night where you know if they're sick or whatever but they're pretty good we've got like you know I'm dealing with a over five-year-old now who he is you know like he definitely is the, my biggest struggle at the moment you know he really fights going to bed and you know I'd catch him playing lego at like nine o'clock at night sometimes things like that <laughs> but you know freddie's really good like he you know if I, I can put him to bed and he'll sleep you know through most of the time um he's yeah he's he's pretty good most of the time we're good yeah <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah you're like but you shouldn't feel bad for saying that I feel like we should just celebrate if you are sleeping and having a great time like that's one thing I've found super lovely about my mum's group is I went from being the one that wasn't sleeping and a baby that did not nap um, to being the one that has got a baby that is sleeping really well sleeping through the night um yeah. And having good naps and no one is like saying, oh, like you can't celebrate that because everyone has their moment when sleep's not, you know, great. And we sympathize when that's happening. But then like for the people that are sleeping, absolutely celebrate because. Yeah, totally. And I'm saying that like, you know, Freddie didn't sleep through the night until he was like nine months old and same with Harry. Um, Because, you know, that's normal that's biologically normal baby sleep you know they they want to wake for a feed you know right up until you know when they're ready to to drop it so Mm. you know definitely not sitting here saying they slept through the night from you know six weeks old from then on and on definitely not no yeah yeah, I think we need like I think there's this like obsession with sleeping through the night but that's like it's like it's actually you know no, I know there's no normal, but like I think we just need to drop the expectation of that, and it's just like just getting some good stints of sleep as as a win. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you're in like a mother's group and there's a baby that's you know sleeping, I don't know, seven till seven, and they're like you know six months old or whatever, like understand that that's not actually you know the normal. You know, most babies will wake for a feed or two. You know right into mm. like right deep down into the first year so you know don't feel like that you're doing anything wrong or mm. you know, you're, that's not right because actually it's normal for babies to wake in the night to feed or do whatever you know mm. absolutely oh I feel like there's just so many questions when it comes to sleep and I could keep going on and on and on. But if people are looking for some support and would like to kind of have a chat with you, what is the best way they can get in touch? Um, So you can eat like to submit a form through my email. I mean, sorry, my website, which is um, www.thesleepscout.com. Or you can um, message me on Instagram at the sleep scout is another way that people get in contact with me. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And I'll be sure to tag your accounts in the show notes um, because, yeah, I know that I still reach out to you sometimes with questions about Louis' sleep and you're (laughs) always so great at coming back and there's some awesome resources on there as well. I think you do some like the commonly asked questions and have some information there. So it's a good one, um, you know, if people are even just not quite ready to maybe take the step to sleep train but want some, some more information on it. So I'll be sure to tag those. But Thank you so much. Um, So kind of you to kind of share all your insight and knowledge. Um, It's just going to help so many mums. So thank you for taking the time to chat. No problem at all. Thank you for having me.